Good morning. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where there is a value placed on just about everything in life. Anything from the house you live in to the car you drive to even the value or worth that is placed upon individuals. You can Google celebrities and see how much they are worth with their possessions, their businesses, and so on. Based on your profession, there's even time placed upon that, how much your time is worth. But if I were to ask you this morning how much value you place upon the Lord Jesus Christ, what would your answer be? For many of us here this morning, having grown up in a Christian home, we would give the Sunday school answer and say, there's absolutely no value you could place upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think there is a way for each and every one of us to calculate how much an individual truly values the Lord Jesus Christ based on the life they live. Is their life lived as a, a life poured out for the Lord Jesus Christ on a day-to-day basis? Or is it a life lived completely for self? When you think of Bible characters in the, in the Word of God, you might think upon um, individuals that you would like to have the value that you place upon Christ match up with theirs. You think of people like John the Apostle, who for his whole life could not ever get over the fact that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. You think of Paul the Apostle, a man who from the moment of conversion to the moment he died was a man who lived his life completely sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I had a shocking realization as I thought upon this, and I realized that the value that I place upon the Lord Jesus Christ is not much different than the value that Judas Iscariot would place upon him. You mean Judas Iscariot, the one who went on to to sell the Lord Jesus Christ for a few coins? Yes, that one. And I think after this morning, many of us here will realize, although we'd love to value the Lord Jesus Christ so much more, many of us don't. Turn with me to Matthew 26, please. Matthew 26. What I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to compare Judas with another individual that valued the Lord Jesus Christ. They valued the Lord Jesus Christ, not with words, but with their actions. And their actions, in the end, was what proved to be the difference. Matthew 26, and verse 6 says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this, for this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not always have. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, What this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. And so from that moment on, he sought opportunity to betray him. Let's pray once more. Our dear Heavenly Father, we 
I come before you this morning realizing that apart from you, we can do nothing. Father, apart from you, no message could be spoken to our hearts. Apart from you, Lord, lives would not be changed. Apart from you, Father, we wouldn't even know how to apply your word to our lives. And so, Father, we ask that as we gather here this morning, that no word would be spoken that is of any man, but every word would be spoken um, by your Spirit, Father, directly to our hearts. Oh, Father, help us to love the Lord Jesus Christ so much more than we do. Father, I know I, I pale in comparison to, to, to people that, that poured out their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we just ask practically that you would show us how to love the Lord Jesus Christ more. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. We know in the hundreds of years prior to this, the Jewish people had received many prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, concerning someone who would come and would save them. He would save them from their sins. However, many of the Jewish people at this time had read the prophecies and had in their mind formed or created this Messiah that they were expecting. This Messiah that would come on a white horse, so to say, who would come and save them from the Roman government, save them from their current distress, whatever the case was. But we see that the Lord Jesus Christ came, being the Messiah that they did not expect. Uh, the Lord Jesus then went on to uh, minister to the people for three years. He healed many people, gave many messages. And the Lord Jesus, throughout this time, created a lot of conflict within the Jewish realm, within the Jewish, Jewish society. Um, the Lord, at this point, is two days away from being crucified. At this time, there, there's so much uh, turmoil and so much um, contradiction as, as to, to who these people believed the Lord Jesus Christ was. Some believed that he was the Messiah. Some believed that he was simply a good man or a prophet. We see that even the Pharisees, the rulers amongst the Jews, in, in John 12, 42, we see that many of the Pharisees even came to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was the Messiah, but because they feared the other Pharisees, they didn't want to proclaim that publicly. There was a value placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisees were seeking opportunity to kill him. The Lord Jesus Christ at this time caused so much um, turmoil and, and so much um, distress amongst the people. They didn't know what to do. And yet, in the midst of all of this turmoil, in the midst of the Lord Jesus just being hours away from going to the cross, we see the Spirit of God zoom in on this event that takes place on this night. In fact, this event is recorded in three out of the four Gospels. In the midst of everything that was happening, why would the Spirit of God think that it was so important to include this? I think there's a valuable lesson for us to see uh, this morning. As we march through this passage, I'd like to once again compare Mary. Uh, John's gospel account of this story tells us that this was Mary, the sister of Lazarus, that came and anointed the Lord Jesus. And so we see Mary here in this passage, and yet follow, immediately following this, we see Judas. And just the two, two comparisons that we have here. The first thing I'd like you to see is Mary's approach. Mary's approach to the Lord Jesus was an approach that was selfless. What do I mean by that? Mary came to the Lord Jesus seeking nothing in return. She came to the Lord Jesus seeking nothing in return. If you were to read through the Gospels, and you'd, you'd read about all of these people coming to the Lord Jesus, you'd farm on, on one list people that came to the Lord Jesus desiring to be healed. 
People who came to the Lord Jesus seeking an answer to a question, seeking all of these things, and yet you form another list of people who came to the Lord Jesus seeking nothing in return, that list would be very small. And yet Mary comes to the Lord Jesus not with a desire to gain anything from him, but to impart something to him. So keep that in mind. Mary was selfless in her approach. As we look at Mary, I also want you to see Judas. Judas was selfish in his, in his following of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that, that Judas had, had forsaken all to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He left his family behind. Uh, assuming, we assume he has a family. The only thing we really know about Judas is he, has a, he had a father named Simon. That's really all we know about Judas. But assuming he had a family, assuming he had a profession, assuming all of those things, he left that. And for three years decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus entrusted him with the money box. And, and we, we read throughout the Gospels that Judas, being in charge of the money box, would oftentimes take money for himself. And would take money for himself. He was so focused on gaining for himself. He followed the Lord Jesus Christ only to the point where it's convenient for him and where he could gain something from him. The moment that that opportunity ceased, we see Judas decides to seek to betray the Lord Jesus Christ for a little bit of money. Mary was selfless in her approach. Judas was self-centered or selfish. In fact, we, we see here that as Mary comes and she anoints the head of Jesus, uh, Matthew's account of, of the disciples responding, they respond and say, why this waste? Why this waste? Why, why would this woman do this when she could have sold this and given it to the poor? In John's account of this story, we see that it was actually Judas that said this. Judas being the one holding the money box and seeing this woman come with, come with this very costly fragrant oil, pouring it on the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, why this waste? She could have sold it and put it in my money box. That's what, basically what he was saying. He was so selfish and self-centered. Mary was selfless. You see, Judas was consumed by his own personal needs and his own personal desires, whereas Mary, she was consumed by her love for the Savior. Is our love so different from Judas? I don't want you to get the idea that I'm up here trying to get you to give to the church financially. If you're like me, you might not have much to give. <laughs> but let's talk about something that everyone here probably gives the Lord. Let's just talk about prayer. When do you pray? You say, well, I mean, I pray before I eat three times a day. I might even pray before I go to sleep and when I wake up. No, but, but when do you really pray? When do you really get on your knees before the throne of God and pray? If you're like me, you pray when everything is going wrong. You pray when you need an answer from the Lord, someone's sick, someone that needs healing, that's when you pray. You have bills that, needed to, that need to be paid, that's when you pray. But how often, brothers and sisters, do we come before the Lord Jesus Christ, not with a desire to gain anything from him, but to simply sit at his feet and thank him for who he is? Do we do that? As an assembly, if I could just use our, our weekly prayer meeting on Wednesday nights as an example, uh, we're a congregation of believers here that average probably somewhere around 100 people, give or take, uh, a little less, perhaps a little more. And yet our Wednesday night prayer meeting averages about 15 to 20 people a night. 
15 to 20 people. And yet, in the past few years, there have been two events where, where most of the congregation gathered together to pray. Those two events was when Allison Kamstra, a dear young woman, a daughter of a missionary, had a brain aneurysm and was on the brink of death. The elders got together, they stood here, and they asked everyone to come and pray for this young woman. We prayed. We said, Lord, please heal this young woman. Please comfort the family. Please give wisdom to the doctors. And the Lord answered our prayers. The following Wednesday, we had 15 or 20 people. Our second time was when we prayed for our dear brother, Will, someone who was struggling with, with, with health. We had no idea what was going on. The elders got up here and they asked us to pray. We came together on Wednesday night and we pleaded with God on behalf of Will, Lord, heal Will, comfort the family, bring wisdom to the doctors, help them see what's going on. The Lord heard our prayers and he answered. The next week, 15 and 20 people. That's when we pray. And I'm not saying that if you don't come to Wednesday night prayer meeting, you don't pray. In your own home, in your own family, in your own marriage, when do you pray? You pray when all hope is lost. But when do you come and sit at the feet of God and just thank him for who he is? Thank him for what he's done. We do that every morning. We remember the Lord there, but throughout the week, when do we do that? You know, I found that I can create a huge list of needs Huge list of needs, huge list of people to pray for. And if I really set my mind to it, I could probably pray for hours on end going through this list. But to simply sit at the feet of God and spend 10 minutes just thanking the Lord for who he is, oftentimes that's very difficult for me. I get bored. I get sleepy, whatever the case is. But when do you come before the Lord and just say, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Do you think you know the Lord enough to be able to thank him for his character? Mary, she came with a desire to impart something of value to him, not with a desire to gain anything from him. That was her approach. It was selfless. Judas was selfish. He followed the Lord up until the moment where it benefited him, benefited him the most to, but after that, he decided not to. He was, self, he was selfish. He was self-centered. The next thing I want you to see is that Mary, in her desire to impart something of value to the Lord, her love was costly. Her love was costly. Verse 7 it says that a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. It was very costly. Um, Mary came not with the intention of simply giving to the Lord, but she came with perhaps the very best that she possessed. Uh, the Jewish women at this time, um, not only the Jewish women, but also the Roman women, it, at this time is a very popular thing for women to carry a flask of, of oil. In fact, uh, the tradition says that they would actually have a necklace of it around their necks and they would carry that around. It was, it was, it was a very common thing for the women to do this. This file, though, this vial of, of fragrant oil was made of, of a plant that was shipped in from faraway India. And what they would do is they would take this, they would crush it, they'd get the oil, the juices, whatever the case was, out of this plant. And what they would do was they would take this plant, and in order to stretch it out further, they would mix it with some other spices, other oils, whatever the case is, to spread it out, to, to, to make it last longer. Mark's account tells us that this was a pure file of, of, of fragrances, uh, pure, meaning that 
they didn't mix anything in it. And, 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 and as the, the disciples look at this, they, um, Mark's account tells us that she could have taken this, this, this file and sold it for 300 denarii. 300 denarii. Now, I know that many of you have heard that 300 denarii was about a year's income for a Jewish man. Okay, uh, that's something that, that's often said. Uh, 300 denarii is about a year's work. I'm sorry, yeah, 300 denarii is about a year's work. But remember in Mark, where the crowds were, were gathered together before the Lord Jesus. They've been following him all day. They're tired. They're hungry. They're, 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 they're weary. And the disciples come to the Lord and say, Lord, it's time to send him home. It's about dinner time. We need to send him home. The Lord, turned, uh, the Lord turns to them. And he says, no, don't send them home. Give them something to eat. And they say, well, Lord, what do you want us to do? Pull out 200 denarii and feed these 5,000 people? 5,000 people would have taken 200 denarii in their estimate to go and buy bread to feed 5,000 people. This was a lot of money. We're talking here 300 denarii could have fed multitudes of people, and this is what the woman came, and she gives it to him. Now, at this time, it was a custom. When you had people over for dinner, you, t you take the guest of honor, and you take this file, whether it's valuable or not, and you take it and you sprinkle a couple drops on their head as they sat at the table. That was the tradition. But we see Mary here. She comes, and she doesn't come and just give a couple drops. She comes, and she pours the entire thing over her head. The other accounts actually tell us that she takes this file, and she breaks it, meaning she takes it, and she wants every last drop of this very costly, very valuable oil to go completely on the Lord Jesus Christ, and she breaks it, which would indicate that no one else will get any of this oil. That was Mary's desire. She came with her very best, and she says, I'm going to give it all to the Lord, and not, no one else is going to get any of it. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I feel in my life, I don't come with an entire flask. I just give the Lord a couple drops. I say, you can have this here, but the rest is mine. You can have, you can have this little bit, but the rest is mine. I'm going to, to, to save that for another day. That's how I feel I live my life. But Mary comes with the intention to give her very best and to not withhold anything from the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that our response to the Lord? Or so often do we come before the Lord holding back. We, we, we sing the hymn, how does it go? Not a mite would I, would I withhold. Not one little penny would I withhold for myself, Lord. Everything is yours. Once again, I'm not talking financially. If you have a lot of money, give it to the Lord. If you don't have any money, that's okay. But your life, what do you withhold from the Lord in your life? Your time. When you, when you desire to spend time with the Lord, do you set aside the very best time of the day for the Lord, or do you give him whatever's left over? Financially, we'll address it. Do you give the first fruits, or do you give whatever's left over? Mary came with a desire to give her very best. But we see in, in, in Romans 8, 31, verse 32, Paul is speaking, and he says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him 
also freely give us all things. You see, what the Lord did was he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom he loved, the one whom he delighted in completely, and he gave us, and he gave him for us with the intention of him coming to redeem us from our sin. You say, well, well why? Why would he need to do that? Well, we see, the scriptures tell us that, that every man has sinned, and because of that, every man is guilty. And we see that God's judgment upon the guilty man results in eternal judgment and condemnation for their sin. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ would come to bear our penalty and to pay the, the price for our sin. And yet we see that God didn't stop there. He, he gave us his very best. He gave us the one whom he delights in, but he doesn't stop there. In fact, he desires to give us everything in him. And yet so often, having been blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ, having been given um, everything, every spiritual blessing that's in the heavenly places, we've been blessed with all of these things, and yet here we are in our little life, and we withhold for ourselves. But Mary came with a desire to freely give. Just as the Lord has, has freely given to me, I'm going to freely give to him, and I'm going to give him my very best. Mary's love was costly. The next thing we see with Judas is that in verse 8, his love was cheap. Verse 8, he says, But when his disciples, or Judas, saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? Here we have the answer. We have believers saved by grace. We have believers who, who know how they ought to live their life. But why is it that only a handful of them do? We have the answer here is because in our lives we see it to be a complete waste. A complete waste. Why would I live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ when I can have this life for myself? And Judas, he looks at this woman pouring out this very costly fragrant oil, and he says, why this waste? Brothers and sisters, if you don't live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, to an extent, it's because you think it would be a waste of your time. It would be a waste of your energy, perhaps a waste of your finances, your, your, your dreams of life, whatever the case is, and it would be a waste. And that's how Judas viewed the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you waste that on him? People look at, at people living a life for the Lord Jesus Christ, and they say, why would you waste the best years of your life? We have believers who spend their entire life working, going to school, storing up money, and they have a desire, when I retire... That's when I'm really going to be serious and follow the Lord. Because we say, why this waste? Why would I waste this best time of my life for the Lord Jesus Christ? That was Judas's response. Why this waste? Mary gave her very best to the Lord. Judas saw her investment as a waste. But we see, although Judas saw that it was a waste, we see in the following um, verse 10... When Jesus saw it, he was aware of what they were saying, and he says, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. Now, in the Greek, there are two words to describe the word good. There's, there, there's morally good, which is the word agathos. That means nothing to you. It means nothing to me. It might make me sound intelligent. I could be making it up. Agathos is the first word. describes someone who is good morally. The second word is kalos, meaning that it's not simply good, but it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's delightful. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ looked at what she did, and she said, 
he didn't simply say this is a good thing that she's done. He says this is a beautiful thing. This is a lovely thing. Why would you think that this is a waste? Judas, in his eyes, said this was a complete waste, and yet in the eyes of God, we see that it was a beautiful thing. And he looked at Mary and how she would love him, and he delighted in that. Not only that, but he says for all of the generations to come, whenever the gospel is given, this memorial, what she did just now, will be remembered forever. How is Judas remembered today? He's remembered as the one who followed the Lord Jesus Christ for three years, looked into the eyes of God himself, and yet sold him for a few, a few coins in his hand. That's how Judas is remembered today. And yet the Lord Jesus says, what this woman has done today will be remembered forever. And God takes this action that she did, and he holds it so closely to his heart, and he says it's a lovely thing. It's a delightful thing. This is not a waste. How will you be remembered? Will you be remembered as the one who spent their life thinking upon the Lord Jesus Christ once a, once a week, loving him in, in word, but then going on to live a life for yourself? And I say to you, the Lord might look at you one day and say, why this waste? Why did you waste your life? Why this waste? It was a good thing. The Lord delighted himself in what this woman did. The next thing I want you to see is that Mary's love was urgent. Verse 11, the Lord says, For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not always have. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ had constantly told his disciples, Listen, I'm going to Jerusalem, Jerusalem and I'm going to die. The Son of Man is going to be lifted up and he's going to die. And he's told this constantly time and time again, and the disciples have no idea what's going on. Perhaps Mary at this time had no idea what was going on, but she realized one thing. My time with my Savior is limited, and today could be the very last day I have with him. So what did she do? She took that day, and she said, I'm going to give him my best. Her love was urgent. It was urgent. She didn't put it off till tomorrow. She said, today could be my only day to do this for my Savior, and I'm going to do it for him. Her love was urgent. I, I love what, what Moses says in Psalm 90 and verse 12. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Lord, teach us to, to value each and every day, realizing that our day is not guaranteed, realizing that our life is not guaranteed. Teach us to number our days. Oh, brothers and sisters, what a beautiful prayer that is. Lord, teach me to number my days. Help me to love the Lord Jesus Christ with urgency. Mary was urgent in her love for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's a hymn, um, we sing it somewhat often, maybe two times a year, but it goes, The hours that I have wasted are so many, the hours I've spent for Christ so few. Because of all my lack of love for Jesus, I wonder if his heart is breaking too. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder... Have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Brothers and sisters, my fear in life right now is that I will stand before the Lord, surrounded in all of his glory, realizing that I've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the only thing I can think of is, have I done my best? 
Have I done my best? He's done so much for me. Have I done my best for him? Or have I wasted my life? Mary's love was urgent. If only we would love the Lord Jesus Christ with urgency in our hearts. We often say, you know, today is the day of salvation. The Lord doesn't guarantee tomorrow. We use that in reference to the lost, but brothers and sisters, it's true of us today. Today is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. The only thing guaranteed is right now. Mary's love was urgent. The next thing we see is Mary's love was authentic. In all three accounts of this story, never once does Mary say a word. Never once. And yet when it's all said and done, the Lord Jesus says, this woman truly loved me, and for all of the generations to come, they will remember her as that woman. It was authentic. What does John say in 1 John 3.18? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The assemblies, I genuinely believe this, we have perfected the art of loving the Lord Jesus Christ in word and in tongue. We can get up Sunday morning and pray the most eloquent prayers. We can use all of the these and thous correctly. We can even quote hymns in our prayers, but what we do Monday through Saturday doesn't match up. And in the end, does it really matter? Judas gave up three years of his life. Three years of his life and followed the Lord Jesus Christ, served with him side by side, and yet when it's all said and done, it was a waste. But Mary, having not said a word, simply pouring out this, this, this oil upon his head, her love was authentic. It was never doubted. It was real. Brothers and sisters, do we love the Lord Jesus Christ with this way? I often wonder... If I didn't profess to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ verbally, would the world even know? Oftentimes we call ourselves Christians because otherwise no one would know. But Mary's love was authentic. It was real. It was genuine. There's no doubt about it in the Lord Jesus' mind. And today, there's no doubt about it even thousands of years later. Mary's love was authentic. It was real. The last thing I want you to see about Judas is that Judas's love for the Lord Jesus Christ was second to his love for self. It was second to love for self. He was so corrupted and so enthralled with a desire to have money, with a desire to perhaps be popular, whatever the case was, he was so enthralled with those things, his love for Christ was second to his love for himself. And as I look at my life, I see just that. Oh, yes, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, but is he, do I love him preeminently? Do I value him preeminently in my life? Or is it simply just something that I say? Judas's love was second to his love for self. You know, the hardest people in life to fool are the people that are around you each and every day. Husbands, it must be so hard to fool your wife because she knows when you're upset, she knows when you're hungry, she knows all of these things, and it's hard to fool those people. Judas did that. He fooled them to the point where the disciples would say, Lord, who's going to betray you? And he says, okay, it's, it's, I'm going to dip this piece of bread and I'm going to give it to the one who's going to betray me. He gives it to Judas and still the disciples say, Lord, who is it? Judas 
deceived everyone. He followed the Lord Jesus Christ for three years, and in the end, it was nothing. It meant absolutely nothing. So what does loving and valuing Christ preeminently in our life look like today? I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't mean that I love the Lord Jesus Christ and I go to all three meetings on Sunday morning. I do the Bible study on Monday night. I go to brigades or TNT on, on Tuesday night. Um, Wednesday, I come to prayer meeting. Thursday, I help out with Awanas. I'm still a somewhat selfish individual, so I take Friday night by myself. Saturday, I go to snow. You see, oftentimes, that's what we think. I love the Lord Jesus Christ because I do these things. No, I do these things because I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, it might mean that you do all of those things. But brothers and sisters, we get so enthralled with the busyness of life, and somehow we have taken the busyness of life and have made it to be something that it really isn't. We've made it to mean that I do these things. I love the Lord Jesus Christ because I do these things. Judas gave up everything for three years. He gave up everything, and in the end, it meant nothing. Loving the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't mean I'm busy all the time doing all of the right things, saying all the right things, being at the right place at the right time. It might lead me to doing those things, but because I do those things doesn't mean I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Loving the Lord Jesus Christ is realizing that the life I live is not my own. Loving the Lord Jesus Christ is coming before the altar and laying my life down and saying, Lord, the life I live is not my own because you purchased it with your own blood on the cross of Calvary, and it's yours. What do you want me to do? I'm tired of living for Nick Weaver. I'm tired of living in his ways. Lord, I want to live for you. And that's what loving the Lord Jesus Christ means. It might mean you going to everything at the assembly. It might not. But loving the Lord Jesus Christ is laying my life down on the altar and saying, Lord, this is your life. It's not mine. What do you want me to do? That's what it looks like. It means surrendering to the Lord everything and being willing to pay whatever he requires of me. If that means me giving up my most valuable possession, my most valuable friendship, my most, the sin that I hold close, so closely to my heart, it might mean giving that up. But it, it means coming to the Lord and being willing to do so. Oh, brothers and sisters, we're so good at loving the Lord in word or in tongue. But when the rubber meets the road, that's when it's all, that's when it's all proven. Mary never said one word. And yet for all of eternity, no one will ever be in doubt that she loved the Lord Jesus Christ. How will you be remembered? Will you be remembered as the one who wasted their life and stood before the Lord wondering, did I do my best? Or will you be like Paul, who at the end of his life said, I have finished the race, I have fought the good fight, and I am ready. Listen, we, we can't wallow in, in our previous wasted years but what we can do is give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ today and say, I'm done living for myself. I'm done taking today for granted. I want to live and love the Lord Jesus Christ with urgency in my heart. How will you be remembered? Our dear Heavenly Father, we do come before you this morning ashamed.
Father, I stand before you this morning ashamed, realizing that indeed I, I don't love the Lord Jesus Christ as much as I might say that I do. But Father, we, we want to change that. I want to change that in my heart, Lord. Father, forgive me for the years I've wasted living for myself. Forgive me for pursuing my own dreams and ambitions, Lord. Oh, Father, I want to pursue the Lord Jesus Christ with a whole heart. And so, Father, we, we just come before you realizing that he has done so much for us. And, and, Lord, I've done so little for him. And so, Father, we ask that you would teach us to number our days. Teach us, Lord, to redeem the time. We do thank you for this body of believers. We're thankful, Father, for your faithfulness to us. Father, why you waste your time on such little people like me? I have no idea, but Father, I just want to thank you for that. Lord, help us to love like Mary, with urgency, a willingness to give our very best. Oh, Father, we just commit our lives into your hands. I'm asking that indeed you'd use this for your glory. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.